this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. I feel like I'm up here in the WWE this morning. Just something with these awesome lights. All right, so it is number two, taking ground number two. Last week we talked about being the church that we're called to be, right? How Jesus invented the church and how it is the best way to take ground offensively, spiritually, and how we are meant to pray and to preach. That is our calling as a church, the the church that Jesus set up. So we're going to spend a significant amount of time on evangelism during the series I do want to keep reminding you that that is coming. Uh, But before we get into that, we have a little bit of ground to cover first. We have to talk about prayer and the role that it plays in spiritual warfare offensively. The role that it should play within the church and within each of us individually. Now, I have to tell you before we get into this. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the one that I'm worst at, by far. Uh, studying it this week has so convicted me personally. Uh, I, I have already made some commitments and some changes in my life because of it. This is one of those sermons that I need to hear. I'm preaching it to myself today, okay? For me, it's... I guess my issue with prayer, it's not that I don't have faith or or that I don't trust God. I think it's just literally a trait of my personality that I want to do things more than sit and talk about them, right? And I don't often express myself and my feelings well. You can ask Aaron. Sometimes he has to pull information out of me. Like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? You you just clammed up what happened, right? So I, I don't think it's it's necessarily a faith thing with all of us. Sometimes we're just not that good. I mean, I'm a deep thinker. I will sit in and think with God a lot. I listen a lot, but I don't always tell him what I want. And and actually, I think after studying this this week, I think a lot of prayer is really exploring what you want with God, allowing him to sort of change some of the things that you want maybe and pray better prayers. I, I think it's There's an element to it of flexing the muscle of knowing who God is enough that you know you can come to him and ask, right? And that takes some time to learn sometimes. So I am going to get better at it because I want to be obedient and I know how powerful it is. And I want that for us as a church too, right? So I studied this week the early church. I'm always convicted every time I study the book of Acts. Because the early church was radical. They are on fire. They were amazing in what they did. And we are just, sometimes we're just so not there. Um, The early church got together often. They prayed a lot. And I was honestly blown away and frankly, really convicted by realizing just how much they prayed. The early church that we see forming in the book of Acts, they got together daily. They were extremely close, sharing everything that they had, always in each other's homes, sharing meals together, always encouraging each other, and studying the teachings of the apostles. But one of the main things they did when they gathered 
was to pray. They prayed a lot. Today we're going to look at, just from the book of Acts, uh, all the different kinds of prayer that I can see from the early church, which again, totally convicted me. And I'm putting all these scriptures up on the screen. I want you to see all of them because I think by the end of this, you'll feel the same as me. Okay? So, four types of prayer. Are you ready to get into this today? Can we jump right in? All right. Four types of prayer. Number one, personal prayer. Personal prayer. I see Acts 9. There's the Saul to Paul conversion. Do you remember this? Where he's struck blind and, and God is calling him into ministry, out of killing Christians, into ministry. And it's Jesus that he sees on the road and he converts to being Paul eventually and that whole, that whole thing. We see him pray personally. We see the man Ananias that was sent to him praying personally and then him praying again. All kinds of personal prayer there. Then there's Acts 10 and Acts 11, same sort of situation. It's Peter praying on the rooftop. We don't get a whole lot of their conversation, right? We don't, we don't see what they're praying about. It's almost like we're stumbling upon them in the book of Acts, and they just happen to be praying, right? And then Acts 22 uh, is Paul again. He's receiving his calling. He's furthering that calling, and he's getting sent out to preach the gospel. So personal prayer is just one-on-one prayer to God, okay? This is where It sounds really simple, but this is where a lot of us get tripped up. I have a whole lot of questions from new believers and old alike that say, how do do I pray? What is it supposed to sound like? Um, How do I address God? How do I hang up the phone, right? How do I say amen? How do I, what, what is, how do I do this? I hear other people pray these eloquent prayers, right? Isaiah just preached it in his prayer up here a minute ago. How do I do that? One-on-one prayer is simple. It is, it's, some of, I think there are reasons that it's tough. Some of us do come from religious backgrounds where prayers are rote, they're memorized, uh, they're almost incantations, right? They must be said in a certain way. That is not the prayer that I see Jesus advocating for, right? Prayer on this level is just a conversation. It's just talking, to your Father God, right? He wants to hear from you. I sometimes feel convicted that I come to God with all these complaints. God, this is going wrong and that's going wrong and how do I fix this and what do I do about this? I don't think God sees them as a list of complaints. It's the same things that I would talk to my husband about, right? We wouldn't have a great relationship if we didn't confide these things in each other, right? God sees it as just being involved in your life, Now, you don't want to just always be complaining. There are so many things to thank God for, right? So many things to worship him for. He is so good. And when I start thanking him for things, I can't stop myself thanking him for things. And I see the world in a whole new light. Thanksgiving is so powerful. But also bring the complaints, right? Bring the things that you need help with. That's what he he wants to do for us. He is the provider, the deliverer, the comforter, the healer, right? He can be all those things for you and so much more, but you got to let him in. That's what personal prayer is. In fact, I love how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? We have, we have this most, how many of you have the King James version of that memorized? 
right? <laughs> Hallowed be thy name. It sounds very religious when you say it the way we all have it memorized. But I think it was actually much, it was meant to be much more simple and practical than that. I always, I say this a lot, I know, but I love how Jesus pairs the spiritual with the practical. He is both. Sometimes as Christians, we we get off in this and we get very, very spiritual and everything is woo and (laughs) it's all cloudy and spirited and weird. It gets weird when you don't also pair it with practical. And we get too practical too sometimes. It must be both. Jesus was both. He lived in both worlds all the time. Let me just show you this. Matthew 6 is, is the passage where we see him teaching us how to pray. It's a little more than the Lord's Prayer, and I want to read this with you today. Starting in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. And people looking at them like, wow, he's really religious. He's really spiritual. That's all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. This is the kind of prayer we stumble upon the apostles praying. They're on the rooftop alone, right? They're seeking God alone in a synagogue. They're not... The fair, some, some people get off on this too. Like we, we're only supposed to uh, pray in a prayer closet. Like praying in public isn't okay. This is only type of prayer number one. Okay? So don't get too um, mesmerized by this one verse. But then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. I've always loved this and hated this at the same time. Notice how Jesus doesn't say, give us an abundance of food. Let's be overwhelming. With, give me a month's worth of food so that I don't have to worry. So give us today the food that we need. Give me three square meals today. Let me be able to feed my kids today. <laughs> so practical, down to earth. And forgive us our sins as we as have as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I love how Jesus goes from talking about how good God is and big and praying that his name be kept holy and his kingdom come soon and his will be done and then immediately provide my meals for today. Give us what we need today. Help me forgive. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me to to get away from temptation. It's always so honoring to God and yet so practical at the same time. Jesus was a man of prayer. And when he walked to this earth, he prayed a lot. And you would think, I mean, I, I, I would think being God, you wouldn't need to be a man of prayer right? We believe Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was here on this earth, but he was not here to do his own will. 
He was here to do the will of the Father. And so, therefore, he was fully submitted to the Father. He needed to consult him often. Because as we all know well, this life is complicated and messy and confusing. Right? Up seems down sometimes and you don't know what the right thing to do is. I can't tell you how many times I pray to God for wisdom every day. Right? Help me figure this out, God. Jesus... It's so comforting to me that Jesus was the same way. I think Jesus experienced all those human emotions too. And so he didn't just encourage his disciples to pray often. He also modeled it for them. And look at all these scriptures. Matthew 4 is where he's led away into the wilderness to pray and fast and be tempted. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke 6, 12, he went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. When was the last time he prayed to God all night? I can't, I can't tell you the last time. I've wrestled with God all night sometimes, waking up in the middle of the night. God, please let me go to sleep, right? But not, I didn't stay up all night to pray. Jesus prayed to God all night. Mark 9, 29, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. Here he is being very practical again. This is not super spiritual and hard to figure out, guys. Go and pray fast, then come and cast out a demon, <laughs> right? Uh, Matthew 26, 39, if possible, let this cup be taken from me. One of my favorite prayers of his in the garden of Gethsemane before he's taken away, right? Before he's arrested. If possible. This is where the humanity comes out in Jesus. And we see that he's not sinning by doing this. Jesus was sinless. But if possible, God, if I could not go through this crucifixion thing, if I could not be humiliated in front of, if there's any way, any way, but ultimately your will be done, right? If possible, let this cup be taken from me, but your will be done. Showing us it's not, a bad thing to pray for what we want as long as we're ultimately still submitted to the Father. Right? Luke 22, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. When was the last time somebody was actively hurting you and you prayed a prayer like that? Already forgiving them for something they're currently doing. Even his last words were a prayer. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. His last words. He prayed often. He prayed long. He prayed for specifics. He prayed when he was upset. He prayed when he was in trouble. He prayed for others. He prayed for himself. He prayed until the very end. Jesus was a man of prayer, and he taught us. He's modeling for us how to do this well. How can I possibly look at Jesus' life and think, I'm good. I, I pray enough. Right? In fact, I told you the sermon was for me. Right? My takeaway here is I don't pray enough. I don't pray nearly enough. So just to start somewhere, I actually uh, started a new prayer journal this week. <laughs> Went and bought myself a new one. Started a new one. Right? I'm, I'm a list person and a writer. I have to write things down to remember them. And so I started making a list. I think it'll probably be weekly 
at this point, I'll make my weekly list. I'll add to it as I go. I keep praying about things every night, and then I'll start a new one next week. It'll be things on my mind this week, um, things I'm, I'm struggling with. It's things I need. It's all of it. I'm putting all of it on the list. The amazing thing about a prayer journal, by the way, is I have ones from years ago that I have looked back through occasionally. I flip back through, and I'm like, man, it's been 10 years since I prayed this prayer. God has so answered it like a hundred times over, and I don't know if I've ever thanked him. I don't know if I even realized, right? You forget sometimes because things get taken care of, and you're like, check, and you move on, but God is It's so good to keep a record of those things because you can look back and thank him genuinely for all the things that he's blessed us with. But my goal, told you my takeaway, is to use the time right before bed to pray. Instead of watching something on TV or playing around on my phone to get sleepy, I'm going to pray over my list. My goal being to spend most of that time speaking because I told you I'm, I'm more of the, I sit and think with God a lot. That's something I do in the mornings when I'm studying the word, writing sermons, listening to sermons and all that. I'll sit and think. But I want to, my goal is to spend that time speaking, to practice the art of prayer here. I, I want to practice this. I want to flex this muscle of expressing my needs to God and wants to God, praying for others, praying for this church, which actually brings me to the next kind of prayer. Personal prayer isn't the only kind that we see the church doing. We also see what I've been calling common or constant prayer because it feels constant to me. That's why it becomes so common to them. Uh, Look at all those scriptures. All the times we stumble upon the early church praying, it feels like they're constantly praying and we just happen upon them in the story there they are praying again. Anytime we check in, we peek in on the early church in the book of Acts, they're praying. Now, Acts 1, 14 is the upper room prayer. All met together and were constantly united in prayer. They were constantly united in prayer. Acts 2, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Acts 3, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. They were still going to the temple daily as well to pray. Acts 12, Peter is in prison and the church is praying earnestly for him. Many were gathered for prayer in that case. Acts 20, Paul knelt and he prayed with them. Acts 21, the entire congregation left the city and came down to the shore with us. There we knelt and we prayed. Acts 4, This one's out of order because this is the one that hit me the hardest as I'm studying these this week. Give us great boldness in preaching. Stretch out your hand with healing power, with signs and wonders. This is my takeaway from this point. When faced with persecution and opposition, the church didn't do a few things that I see us doing today. They didn't pray for protection that I can see. Oddly. They didn't try to change laws and fight for their rights. They prayed for boldness to preach the gospel even in that environment, and they prayed for signs and wonders. Here's my takeaway from this. My prayers need to change. 
Not only do I need to pray more, I don't pray nearly often enough, but I'm also not praying for the right thing. I, I need to pray for boldness. I need to pray for signs and wonders, for miracles. I, I need to pray for the power of God, that, that it would come and touch this country through me, through us, right? I'm praying for the wrong. Let me just read this passage to you. We're going to read this. Acts 4. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John had just been arrested, detained, really. They weren't thrown in jail in this case, but they were detained for preaching the gospel on the streets. Soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. They didn't run. They didn't scatter. scatter. They were just informed that they were going to be persecuted, that the leading priests and teachers of religious law, they didn't like what they were doing. It wasn't that long ago that they didn't like what Jesus was doing. They put him on a cross. Nobody's panicking here. Instead, they turn to God immediately. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in our very city. Do you know how hard it is to understand prophecy when it's happening? It's extremely difficult. <laughs> a lot of people try to interpret revelations right now as, you know, things are happening. What? It's very, very difficult to interpret prophecy as it's happening. Remember, there were over 400 prophecies. There are over 400 prophecies about the Messiah. How many Pharisees got any of them right? And they were experts on those prophecies. But they missed Jesus when he was right in front of them. It is hard to interpret prophecy in the moment it's happening. But here's the early church with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget, they had a helper. They weren't alone in this. They had the power of the Holy Spirit, but they're interpreting prophecy as it's happening. It's actually a pretty amazing detail of the story. But in fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May your miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't pray for protection. They didn't even pray that, that God would intervene on their they asked for boldness for themselves to preach the gospel anyone else find that like earth shattering i need to pray for so much more boldness i think my prayers have been wrong for a long time not wrong but a little off uh, bringing my concerns to god is not a bad thing asking him for protection i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying i haven't prayed for boldness and preaching the word in a while haven't asked him for signs and wonders in a while. I ask him for that for the church. I mean, personally, I want to be out in the grocery stores praying over people for healing, right? That, that's boldness that most of us do not have. Notice there were no amens in the room on that one. We don't. We chicken out, right? We see an opportunity and we're like, I can't. What if they think I'm weird? Who cares? Let them think you're, Jesus was weird too, right? We're in good company. 
After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the Word of God with boldness because they prayed for it, (laughs) because they were bold enough to ask for it. Uh, I have this, Acts 4, 29 to 30 is on my screen, my lock screen right now. I made something to put on my phone. I have it on my computer at home. I have it on my prayer list that I just made. Acts 4, 29 to 30 is going to be my prayer for our church for the next year. I want God to give us great boldness in preaching his word, to stretch out his hand with healing power. I want signs and wonders and miracles to be done here in the name of Jesus and through us, not just inside these walls, but outside that this would be a place we gather together and share the miracle stories that we got to see all week. Not just that they happen here around the altars, that we're taking it with us. Because yes, we should have Christians in government and politics, right? We should all get out and vote in a couple weeks. Absolutely we should. But even more than that, we should pray and preach. Because that's what will affect our world, our immediate world for Jesus. That's what's gonna bring change The governments are going to do what they're going to do. The end times are going to come eventually, whether it's in our lifetime or not, right? Whether we we vote and pray Christians into politics or not. But our job doesn't change, no matter how bad it gets. Our job is to pray and to preach, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. We pray and preach the gospel. So is it bad to ask God for protection? No, of course not. Ask him. He's the provider, the deliverer, the healer. We sang Jehovah Jireh today, right? He is the provider. Jehovah Jireh means I am your provider. It's who he is. He wants to do those things for you. We follow his banner into battle, Jehovah Nissi, right? That's who he is. He is our protector. But I also want to pray for boldness like never before. I I think our culture and our country is headed into a time of persecution as a church. I'm not scared of it, though, because our light shines brighter in the darkness, right? It's up to us to pray for boldness, to pray for those signs and wonders so that we don't have to hide. We're not hiding. We're showing them just how good life is with Jesus, not something to hide under a bushel, right? If my life is written out like a story, like in the book of Acts, I want to be stumbled upon praying, I want it to be so common in my life that it just pours out of me all the time. When I'm stressed, I'm praying. When I'm alone, I'm praying. When I'm with groups, I'm praying. When I'm persecuted, I'm praying. When I'm happy and blessed, I'm praying. When a job needs done, I'm praying. I'm boldly praying for boldness to rise up in this church. For miracles to happen, not just here, but outside the walls, that we would carry them with us into the streets, into people's homes, into our workplaces. You know, Jesus didn't do most of his miracles inside the temple. In groups of believers. He did them out in the streets. With people that needed them. The church spent their time praying together. But then they went out into the world and they saw signs and wonders and miracles. I want this church to be a place where we gather and tell those stories. Not that they all happen inside these walls. That we are out there living the book of Acts every single day. And when we come together, we pray, we worship, we encourage each other, and then we get sent back out those doors to do the real work of the ministry. Amen? They're out there in darkness, guys. They need us.
They need the Jesus within us. How can we? It feels so selfish to me to say I'm too scared to look weird. And don't, I'm again preaching to myself. Okay, I'm not always the most bold person. That's part of my testimony. You all know this, but I, I want it. We need it. It's a huge thing the early church did, actually, as they prayed as they sent people out to do ministry. And this is number three, sanctifying prayer. We see them commissioning and sanctifying people to be sent out into the world. Acts 1, then they all prayed, Oh, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men have chosen. You have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in the ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Act 6 is the food program delegation. It's the church we see them start to get organized. It's an amazing thing. <clears throat> These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Acts 13, we see the appointing of Paul and Barnabas to be sent out to do missions work. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Acts 14. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. We see them still organizing, setting up leadership, commissioning the church. They were constantly praying over people for ministry. I am also boldly asking God this year for more partners to rise up in this church. For more people willing to tithe here, to serve here, to give into this church, not just take from it. <laughs> a lot of us still see church as a place to take from. It should be giving to me. Am I comfortable here? Am I feeling like I'm fed here? Are they serving everything to me on a platter? That's not actually what church, we talked about church last week, right? Being a battleship, not a cruise ship. It's not about how well they serve me and how much I like the music. And it, it's about, are we on a mission here? Are we staying on course here? Are we accomplishing that mission together? Right? We need more of it. Partnership here at Freedom Valley, it's not like membership at other churches. It is active participation. In fact, I remove people from the list all the time. Not all the time, but every three to six months, I look over the list and I'm like, they're not giving, they're not serving, they're not attending, they're not a part, that's not a partner. It's just not. Partners invest not just money but time right energy their gifts and their talents they serve other people right uh, i we don't track it religiously i'm not like looking over the list every single day or anything but i do send out updates quarterly to our partners and i look over every statement and i pray for everyone as i stuff those envelopes and we reevaluate are they actually partnering with us are they partners in ministry you're not serving, you're not giving, you're not attending. That's not what a partner in ministry does. Can you still attend here? Absolutely. Can you pretty much participate in almost everything the church does? Absolutely, without being a partner. But teaching people, leading people, partners give, partners serve, partners attend. They're here. Doing certain jobs around here are reserved for people who are actively participating in specific ways because what it does is it shows us that you're seeing the church properly. It's a place to give into, to serve into, right? Not to take from. The early church was organized, right? They recognized when people understood that assignment. 
the assignment that Jesus laid out for us. The church isn't something to take from. It's something to give their lives to. The early church, in fact, would have seen giving 10%, just by the way, as way beneath what was required. Like way, way, way too low of a bar. The bare minimum. They gave their lives to the church. Read Acts sometimes. They sold property to give to other people within the church. They, they served each other. Oh, they were constantly in each other's homes praying, breaking bread together, sharing meals together. They shared everything they had. It wasn't a 10% thing. If you're not giving and serving and attending here, it's, it's a pretty good indicator that you are still seeing it incorrectly. That we give into this house so that we can serve the world better. Because remember, like we went over last week, why would we invite people to come here if we're not functioning properly? If we're a toxic environment, judging each other, holding back from each other, gossiping about each other, right? Why would I invite someone into that environment? We have to be healthy. Jesus gave everything, even his life. That's the example we're following, right? The early church sent people out to do ministry regularly and prayed over them as they went. They commissioned people. They sanctified people with their prayers. Is that challenging to anyone else? I, I told you I'm preaching my, to myself today. This, isn't, this particular one isn't one I struggle with. I've basically grown up in this building. Okay? Just, I'm a pastor's kid who's literally grown up here. But it is convicting to me in that I'm not praying nearly enough for more workers in his harvest field. Not praying nearly enough for more people willing to submit their lives here, to give here, to serve here, to grow here, to encourage others into preaching the gospel. I need to earnestly pray for more workers in his harvest field. That's my takeaway here. And by the way, if you want to start the process of partnership, since I just <laughs> railed about it for a while, go to effie.church slash partnership. That link is also in the sermon notes to get all the info of what's required. But number four, here's the fourth kind of prayer that I see happening in the book of Acts, and that is worship and thanksgiving. Acts 16. You remember the earthquake, the Paul and Silas prison story, right? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Always a convicting story to me, because if I'm thrown in prison, I don't know that I'm singing, right? I'm complaining, God, I was only doing what you called me to do after all. I'm doing a good thing, and, and here I am. And How could you let this happen, right? Not Paul and Silas. Praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing hymns. Acts 27, Paul's shipwreck story. He's shipwrecked. He's about to be anyway. And then he took some bread and gave thanks to God before them all. And he broke off a piece and ate it. He, he had communion right there in the middle of a shipwreck. Praise and thanksgiving. We see the early church giving thanks and praise to God often. They shared in the Lord's, Lord's Supper, which is communion. That's thanking Jesus for what he's done. They worshiped and they sang in all circumstances. When they were in trouble, they prayed and they sang. When they gathered, they prayed and they sang. We need to be people of prayer, of worship, and of thanksgiving. My takeaway here is you don't worship enough. I don't worship enough. Particularly when I'm in trouble. 
but just in general. And I do not mean I don't play enough worship music in my house, right? It's not always on in the kit. I'm not talking about that. It's around me a lot. I'm, I'm talking about real worship, acknowledging who God is, not just what he does for me. He is the provider, and yes, he provides for me, but he is the provider, the comforter, the healer. He knows the names of the, every star in the sky. He knows the amount of hair on each one of our heads. It's, it's about celebrating how big he is, how amazing he is, how his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts, right? It's, it's about knowing who he is so that I can understand who my source is. My source isn't my job. My source isn't my husband. My source isn't all the other things. And it's God. I get things that I need from him because that's who he is. Does that make sense? Thanksgiving is a little bit different. We're meant to do both. Thanksgiving is saying, thank you for providing for me specifically. I can look back at my prayer list and say, thank you, God, for answering that prayer. Thank you for getting me through that season. Thank you for all the, all the things providing for me today. Thank you for a roof over my head, right? So powerful. Worship and thanksgiving are so powerful, mostly to your perspective. They change the way you see your own life, change the way you see God and who you are in that. So powerful. We don't worship enough. If all you're doing is worshiping on Sunday morning, and by the way, that was amazing, powerful, and anointed this morning, right? Uh, I hear from Christians a lot, especially new people that come in saying, I just bawl in worship services. I cry. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to. They're always a little self-conscious about it, and the rest of us are like, yeah, we've, all, we've been there, right? We've spent a worship service or two crying. It's okay. Uh, because God is healing us from things from the inside out, right? We're feeling the Holy Spirit. It's an emotional experience. But that shouldn't just be here. These guys do an amazing job. We are incredibly spoiled at Freedom Valley Church by the talent that is on the stage. But it shouldn't just be here. The worship is not just singing corporately inside the walls of a church. Worship is a lifestyle. It's meant to be lived out our lives should be worship to God. Now, all of it submitted unto him. We don't worship nearly enough. When encountering a problem in your life, your response should be to worship. This is just a theory of mine. I'm not sure it's entirely accurate because I don't have biblical, exact biblical evidence for it. But the early church had the Holy Spirit, right? They were anointed to do this anyway. But did you know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was around all throughout Jesus' ministry. She was there at the cross. She was with the early church after he ascended back into heaven, too. Acts 1.14 says, just to prove this, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Okay, we know she was there. Did you also know that Mary was a worshiper? I love this about her. She was a lifelong worshiper. It is my theory that she helped to influence the early church to be people of worship too. That she was there in the upper room. She was worshiping right along with them. I have a feeling she was a worship leader. And we know this. We know she was a worshiper because when she was a young girl, 
faced with the very real and very scary calling of mothering the Son of God as an unwed virgin, right? She didn't protest. She didn't play the victim card. She didn't post all over Facebook whining about her situation. Okay, they didn't have Facebook. You know what I'm talking about. She didn't go wailing in the streets. She sang. Don't believe me? Read Luke 1 again this week. She sings. There's a whole song of Mary. She is a a worshiper. She's submitting her life to God, knowing how hard it's going to be. The culture was not kind to women in her position. (laughs) She knew how hard it was going to be, and she sings in the face of extreme hardship, a calling that actually could have very well gotten her killed in that culture. She worshiped, and she was young. That's who she was. I believe it's why God called her to be Jesus' mother in the first place. Right? The kind, that kind of worship doesn't just come out of you unless you put the time in before the crisis comes. Right? When you train yourself to be a person of, of worship and thanksgiving in the good times, then you're able to weather the storms, the, the bad times, with so much more grace and with faith. You don't worship enough. I don't worship enough. Worship doesn't have to be singing. It's just an acknowledgement of who God is, although it does come out like a song a lot. God is so good. All right, Thanksgiving is an acknowledgement of what he has done. They're both important, both necessary in the life of a believer, especially one who wants to get something done for the kingdom. Which, once again, brings me to the intercessors team that I started talking about last week, right? I want to start... Because I think we don't do this nearly enough. We're not praying nearly enough. We're not praying for the right things nearly enough. I started recruiting for this last week and had a number of you respond already. I'm very, I was very happy to see a number of you respond already. But I think this is what our church, maybe the church, the big C church, all of us are lacking right now. I need people of worship and of thanksgiving and of prayer to commit to praying for this church and its people. Like never before, I think we need to meet together, we need to pray together, we need to learn and train how to do this better together, and then we need to start praying. Intercede for this church, this area. God would open hearts and minds and bring people in that we would see that revival that we all talk about so much, but none of us are actually living. Right? We're not praying for it nearly enough. You don't have to be an expert in prayer for this team, by the way. You just have to have a heart for it. It doesn't mean you have to be comfortable praying in front of people yet or or be an expert in knowing how to do all all of it. You just have to be willing to learn, to try. Right? Don't have to to know even what the word intercessor means. I got that question. What what is actually, what does intercessor mean? (laughs) It just means to pray for others, to, to plead to God on behalf of others, to stand in the gap for others. We're going to train you to do that. You might have to be willing to forgo the Netflix binge at the end of a long day, right? To choose to be obedient and spend that time in prayer instead. But that's the people I'm, I'm looking for. I talked about Tom Landis last week, who at least for the past 14 years since I've worked here, he comes in before Sunday, before church, every single Sunday, and prays. I see him going around to all the blue chairs, touching them and praying over them. And when I was a kid's pastor, I saw him go back to all the kids' rooms. 8.30 in the morning, he's praying. 
Now, that's the heart I'm looking for. People who are already passionate about prayer or passionate, passionate about this church. The reality is we are not praying enough. Not nearly enough. And our prayers need to change. We need to pray for God to send workers into his harvest fields. We need to pray for boldness and for signs and wonders and miracles. We need to pray that God would soften hearts and open minds to do what he wants to do in their lives. We need to be people of worship and thanksgiving. Anyone else want this as badly as I do today? Anyone else want to be a part of something bigger? Are you inspired by this? Here are your next steps, if that's you. Go home and make a plan to pray more. Right? Don't just aim for it today. There are goals and there are aims. Aims are like, I want to pray more. You might. (laughs) You might not. Make an actual plan. A goal is, I'm going to pray every night for 10 minutes before I go to bed. That's measurable. Right? Don't just aim for it. Make a plan to do it. What's the plan? has to be something tangible. Make a list, set a timer on your phone, choose a spot in your house, ask someone for advice about how to do this better, right? You don't have to do this all on your own. But uh, don't come and tell me, great sermon, pastor, without a plan, because I'm going to ask, what's your plan? What's the plan for doing this more? How can we be people of prayer? The at-home groups this week, the main question is going to be, What's your plan for more prayer this week? How can we do this better? All right, number two, if this is inspiring to you, your next steps, if you're already a person of prayer, right? That's your main way. You connect with God. It's something you're passionate about or you're, you're feeling a stirring of passion today. It's something that you want. Sign up for that intercessors team. We have the, the number on the screen. Even if, if you just have a passion for this church, you want to see this church grow and, and thrive and minister to more people, sign up for the team. We're going to teach you how to do this better and to stir up that gift within you. We're going, to, we're going to have prayer focuses every month. Everybody's praying for the same thing. You'll hear from people that absolutely have this gift. This is their gift, right? And you're going to practice doing it together. That's what this team is going to be about. I see it as backup for ministry. Right, meaning I'm out here preaching the gospel. Aaron's out there um, singing worship and leading us in, in that and, and helping to lead this church. We have the Salazars down here doing so many deliverances every single week. Uh, we have people praying for healing. And right, we have all this ministry going on. We need people to pray behind us. Right, that, that we're not tilling this ground that is so hard all the time. Intercessors can make that ground and they can prepare the spiritual realm for us to preach the gospel into an, an open-hearted room of people. Does that make sense? That's what prayer can do. And number three, if you're looking for a way to respond to this, look into partnership if you haven't already. We need more. We need help. We need more people doing the work of the ministry. But I got to warn you, be ready to do it. To tithe, to attend every week, to serve somewhere, to truly see yourself as a partner in ministry. This isn't just somewhere you attend, somewhere you serve, you give, you love people. 
You bring people in from the outside, right? To, to, to be all in. Because the most powerful and brave prayer you can pray is God use me. Because you'll be tested. <laughs> yeah, use you. And it's terrifying. <laughs> it can be terrifying. It's not, you, God using you is not something you're like, yeah, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm so prepared for this. I'm going to get up on that stage. I'm going to go out and talk to people in the grocery store. I'm gonna, no, everything I've ever done for God, I've been terrified to do it. And by the way, the more I practice it, the more I get used to it. And then God's like, okay, now for the next thing, the next terrifying thing, right? That's what he does. He will equip us, but as we step out in faith, okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys ready to do this with me? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Thank you that your word is so good to teach us, to guide us, to deliver us, to heal us, to correct us when we need it, to convict us, to give us a passion. God, help us be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church you have called us to be. Commission us, God. Sanctify us that we will, will truly have a passion to go out into this world and change the world with a message of the gospel. The only thing truly capable of changing this world, the message of the gospel. God, help us rescue just one more and one more after that and one more after that, that, that our prayers wouldn't just be for the crowds and the movement and the revival and the whatever, the big stuff, but that every person we run into would start to make it on our prayer list, that we would have a passion for the, the next one and the next one. We truly see each and every soul as precious and beautiful in your sight. God, help us to, to evangelize, to, to share the gospel better than ever before. But over the next few weeks, as you teach us and lead us through this journey, we would just open up our minds and our, our hearts to what is really possible with you. That we're capable of so much more with you inside us. That the Holy Spirit would commission, he would walk with us into every situation, that he would give us the words and the wisdom, what to say and when to say it, what not to say, when not to say it, that he would just commission us and we'd go out with power, love, and a sound mind. He would truly rest on each and every person inspired by this today. Send us out, God. Help us pray the bold prayers. God, use us. Send me heads bowed and eyes still closed today. Maybe you're saying, I've, I've never asked Jesus into my life. I've never said I'm in. I've never asked him to forgive my sins. I've never asked him to come into my life and, and change me from the inside out. But today I know I need that. I need a calling on my life. I need a purpose in this life. Jesus can give all that to you and so much more. And some of us, we come into situations like this and we say, but Pastor Candace, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. I, I came in here off the street today because I need rescued. I need help. I'm here to tell you it came to the right place. 
Jesus forgave every single one of us, even though we didn't deserve it. He wants to give that to you too. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. Your Father God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. That is the gospel. It is good news because it's not an angry God in the sky wagging his finger at you, telling you all the, the things you've done wrong. He is a God of love. He is love. He wants to love you. That's why he sent his son. Jesus hung on that cross so that you can be forgiven by calling on his name. That's all you have to do. Around here, we call it saying, I'm in. I'm in. I'm into following Jesus. I'm in to, to learning what it means to follow him, to be obedient to him. I'm in for the forgiveness. I'm in for a brand new start with Jesus. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to make the bold move of raising your hand up right where you are. If you're here in the room, raise that hand up right now and say, I'm in. Maybe it's the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm in to following Jesus. If you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen or type I'm in in the comments. We would love to help you with that decision. Anyone else in this room before I move on? I'm in. I want Jesus in my life. Maybe today you need to respond to this in another way. You are like me. Your takeaways are I need to pray. I need to change my prayers. I need to worship more. I need to partner in ministry. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up high? I would like to pray for you today as well. Father, I thank you for every single hand raised in this room that you are working on hearts and minds, that you are inspiring us to go further, to reach more, to do more for you. Father, I pray that as we go to here, from here today, you would just commission us, send us out, give us a burning passion in our souls to get to know you more, to, to submit more of our lives to you, to become more obedient, but also to share that freedom with the world. Share it with our friends and neighbors. Give us creative ways to do that, passionate ways to do that. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.